Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tom Bernard Show, our special guest right now, Dr. John Huber. We're talking to Dr. John Huber about how insane people have gotten. And uh, is it going to get worse, Doc? Do you think it'll get worse or better? It seems to me like every 50 years people lose their minds in this country. Do you think it'll get better? Well, I think it will get better. I think the pendulum will swing the other way. So, I mean, you know, we we can look at at what's going on right now with social media, and they're saying it's going to destroy America. Well, the same thing happened with Elvis, and we survived Elvis. So I think we'll survive this. It's just the growing pains are what we're going through right now. You know, it's amazing to me, and we talked about this, and I, I don't know, I don't even know how I discovered it. I can't even remember. But when uh, newspapers blew up and became the great medium of uh, the United States of America, the first uh, debates were the Lincoln debates, and, of course, he was assassinated. And then just after, yeah. uh, short, shortly after the turn of the 20th century, uh, radio became a huge medium. It, it kind of surpassed newspapers as the dominant medium. And, of course, McKinley was assassinated. And then television came <laughs> along, and JFK, the, uh, John F. Kennedy, used television uh, in the Nixon-Kennedy debate and just crushed Nixon. And then he was assassinated. So now we are 55 years later, 60 years later, whatever, and that same feeling that I got when I was an 11-year-old boy back in 1963, I'm getting that now. It's like, God, I, I really hope somebody doesn't end up dead over this. I really, really hope that's true. Wow. You know, then that, 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 that is something that would, would be devastating regardless. But it also, oh, God, you know, yes. might be part of the trigger that, that, that wakes people up. And so maybe what we're doing is not a good idea through social media avenues. And uh, it's, it's actually becoming anti-social media. Like we talked about before, you just kind of isolate <laughs> right. yourself with only like-minded people. And uh, th- there's no great debate anymore. It's over. And um, the thing that amazes me, and both parties do it, they do it to each other. But if this guy does this kind of thing and he's in your party, he should be kicked out of uh, <laughs> the United States or he should be executed. But if a guy in my party does it, somehow that's okay. I, I don't understand that at all. We should celebrate him. Yeah, we should celebrate yeah, that's him right. and put him up that's on a pedestal. That's... Exactly. So I, I basically at this point, I just I want to hear. I, I mean, you have to deal with a lot of people and you know, one to one basis and all the rest of it. How do you handle? You must be asked this all the time. I would guess. What the hell's wrong with everyone? <laughs> well, for the most part, people generally one on one are pretty decent. It's when you get two or oh, three good. people together or more, where people are just crazy, and and I think mm-hmm. they they feed off of each other. And, you know, when there's just one person, you know, they're having a discourse with you, you can stop and call them and say, hey, well, what you just said is unsubstantiated. Can you show me the data? Can you show me the facts? And that's usually when I get called some kind of ism and, uh, you know, because <laughs> they don't have the facts. And, and right. uh, I, I can then, doing what I do, I have... Uh, Oftentimes, I'm being asked by a judge or an attorney or a doctor to give a diagnosis. So, you know, that that paranoia, that inability to be reality-based and stuff like that can definitely affect some of these diagnoses. 
God, it's so amazing. I, I just glanced up September 6, 1901, William McKinley assassinated by Leon Zolgaz. Uh, the motive was to advance anarchism. Gee, what are we doing right now? Are we talking about anar- anarchy a lot right now? Yeah, we sure are. This is terrifying That's to me. Right. I'm just looking as a fan of history and reading a lot about history. Uh, this terrifies me because it's the same words coming out of the, everybody's mouth that, that happened 118 years ago. Like, what can we learn Absolutely. anything ever? Yeah. Well, well, you you've got you've got a certain thing that's going on right now, and and that's that's historical knowledge, and you have it. Unfortunately, certain groups in our society don't want the rest of the world to remember our history, so they're getting rid of of statues that celebrate uh, individuals who may have had something that they did poorly and made a poor choice in their history. So let's just get rid of them. <laughs> instead of celebrating them. And the whole idea is not necessarily to celebrate them, but to remember who those people were. And by taking those statues down, by naming schools different names, by changing the name of a bridge from some historical figure to somebody who's you know, alive today or maybe passed away in the last 10 or 15 years, you know, you're, you're hiding our history and making it even harder for people to find out what, what it is about and where we came from. It's one of the reasons why when we make an amendment to our Bill of Rights, we strike through it. We don't delete it. Mm-hmm. We want to remember those bad decisions we made. See, I think that's wonderful. And people don't know that. I think that people have known. I, why don't people, if they're going to get so involved and get so emotional over it, why don't they research what they're talking about instead of just puking things up the way we all do now? Well, you just said exactly why, because they get all emotional. What happens when you get all emotional is that fight-or-flight mechanism that we use to protect ourselves from a bear that attacks us when we're hiking, it actually affects our brain, and what happens is it redirects the blood flow from your frontal cortex, which is where your higher rational thoughts are, to your limbic system, which is where all the emotions are. So what happens is the blood flow gets diverted away from rational thought and gets poured into these centers that have all this emotionality to it and make those emotions even stronger and make you think even less rationally. And there's no coming back once they do that. In fact, I train my couples that come in for couple therapy. The minute somebody's voice starts rising, they have to stop their conversation, schedule another time anywhere at least two hours away, but up to two days away from where they're at now, and they have to start the conversation over until somebody starts raising their voice. That way they, they can practice and learn to keep their emotions in check when they're having those discussions. Because you can't get anywhere. It just becomes a vicious cycle then when the emotions kick in because that fight or flight mechanism turns on and you can't stop it, period. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole deal. And I, I, actually, I kind of I, um, I, I did some research. Radio actually didn't come, become very popular until about 18 years after McKinley was assassinated, but it was that situation oh, okay. again. It, 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 there were radio stations in place, but it got really big in 1920 and pa- surpassed newspapers at that time. But, yeah, 1901 is when McKinley was assassinated. It was because of an anarchist killed him. Isn't it it's nuts how radio wow. is less than 100 years old, like commercially? I know. It's like 99 years old. Yeah, <laughs> to me it amazing. feels like something that's always been there pretty much, but... It's actually not that old. Well, it has in your Well, it's kind of like aviation. Aviation is just a few years older than that. And look what, you know, we've gone to the the moon and back. And and we go multiple times the speed of sound and travel around the world. Yeah, things are changing too quick, I think. Yeah, they kind of are. (laughs) There's no doubt about that. It's just the way it is. But, yeah, so, I mean, it just, I, I, so what can we do? Let's say, you know, Andy is 32 now and Alex is 30. So let's say they were 16 and 14. What would you, as a parent of a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old, what would you tell them? Because I think you have to take them by the hand today and sit down and go, we need to talk about this. What would you tell them, Dr. Well, well, funny you should ask that because I have a 16-year-old and a (laughs) 14-year-old. There you go. And by the way, I did not know that. Uh, That was just a coincidence right there. And, uh, you know, it, it was really interesting because my, my children were brought up hunting and fishing. And uh, my daughter, uh, 14 years old, actually about 
at 12, she just really got hooked, and she loves to go out uh, to the deer blind. She likes to go chasing after coyotes at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and she's, you know, everybody has no clue that, that he's pretty good with the long arm rifle, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's very interesting. And my son got his first deer when he was 14 or 12, actually. And, uh, this past academic year, he's a junior now, his sophomore year, he got in trouble by one of his teachers because he was having a quiet conversation that she happened to overhear about hunting and hunting rights and gun ownership mm-hmm. rights. And she oh, sent God. him down to the counselor to talk to him. And he walked in, what? and he thought he was in trouble here because I'm a psychologist, right? But the counselor yeah, just said, yeah. oh, just wait here and go to the next class. Don't worry about it. But, and the counselor knew me. And my son is like, okay, I'm going to probably be in trouble. His teacher's like, oh, your dad's a, a therapist. You're going to be in trouble when you get home. And, what? you know, he comes in, and we're going, so what happened? And he's, like, telling us this story, and he's being real kind of quiet and everything else. And he starts saying, well, I started talking about our First Amendment rights and how our Second Amendment protects our First Amendment and all this kind of stuff. And she got all upset for me talking about gun ownership and said I had no business and no knowledge of what I talked about. And I said, well, how many deer have you got? And that was – and uh, I go, well, where did you get all this information? And he thinks he's in trouble. And he goes, well, I've been, I've been watching a lot of videos online. There's this guy, Ben Shapiro. And, you know, everybody oh, yes. around him gets yep. all emotionally excited. And he, he starts pulling out facts. <laughs> he starts pulling out, you know. So I'm, like, giving her all this stuff, and he thinks he's in trouble. And it was funny because I had just, like, recently had, had dinner with Ben, and I pulled out a picture of me and Ben sitting at a table, and my son thinks I'm a hero now. So, um, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he's watching our behavior. He's watching my wife's behavior and ours. He, he's not listening to what we're saying he's watching what we're doing that's why i say right. kids hear what you do yeah they don't listen to what you say so if you're going to say don't be <laughs> racist but yet you turn around and call somebody some racist slur mm-hmm. you're teaching your kid oh i have to say not to be racist but i don't have to be racist. i, I can be racist if i want to yeah that makes total sense but your son sounds like a very smart kid I'm amazed at both my children, honestly. I'm like, wait, that came from me. I have to go ask my wife. Are you sure? Can we do that DNA test? <laughs> um, I have to ask you, Dr. Huber, you, you said you, you were hanging out with Ben Shapiro. Is that correct? Yeah, I had dinner with him with, when I was uh, at the university. We had some students who brought him in, and, and right. uh, he came and talked to him, and we did dinner afterwards. Yeah. All right, I want you to do me a favor. The next time you see Ben Shapiro, would you tell him he's the one guy I would not want to debate? <laughs> My God, that guy's smart. He is well, a very bright you know, human being. The one thing I argued with him, it turned out I was right. Everything else I agree with. And, and you're, I like it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but he gave me lots of compliments. My students were really impressed and everything. So that was good. I felt good about it. He's a good a guy, though. You're right. You he's not somebody you want to debate. Uh, no. No, he's a very, very sharp guy, and he's very emotional. He doesn't get out of control emotional, but he's very emotional about right. what he believes in, and he will make you look like a fool because of it. I've Absolutely. seen him do it many, many Absolutely. times. It's really cool. Absolutely. Dr. Huber, keep keep everybody on the straight and narrow, and we'll just uh, we'll count on you to basically call in and calm everybody down and say, shut up and get to work. How about that? <laughs> Why, why, why can't I stir stuff up every once in a while? Why can't? No, you can do that, too. You, anyway. you can stir the pot all you want. I have no problem with that. It's been many years now right. we've been talking. So, uh, Dr. Hubert, thank you very much, sir. <laughs> Welcome, Tom, and have an amazing day. You too, sir. Thanks very much. Dr. John Huber, ladies and gentlemen, basically saying it's not what you say, it's what you do. Did you find that to be true, Andy and Alex, when, when the mom, and I, uh, mom and me back in the day? Would you, did you kind of not listen to what we said but what we did? I mean, we didn't not listen to what you said, but yeah. No, you did. Actions definitely have an impact as well. So did you think I was a hitman for the mafia if you just followed my actions? No. I thought you were all talk, and Mm. you are. Oh, here we go. (laughs) We thought you were all talk. You are. You're such a sweetheart of a child. There's no... So you say... Listen to you. How would you know? Are you saying there were a lot of eye rolls? In your house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he's just oh, like God. the, uh, like, you were such a pushover to me. Like, I could get you to just give me well, anything at any time. 
And when so did that change? And so yeah, true. Mother. Yeah. <laughs> it never changed. Andy That's never really problem, wanted though. anything except video games. Mm-hmm. And me, oh, it was true. like, that I wanted true. to, like, you know, go places with people and do things. And so I was asking for things more than Andy ever was because he just wanted to sit in our basement mm-hmm. and play video games. So. Yeah, but it all worked out in the end. You went, ended up, your mother and I are very proud of you and Andy, and you became, you know, really nice people, and you don't harm anyone else. You're, neither one of you is the kind of person that's going to sit and debate anyone. You just go, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, and much. move on. Well, the which thing, is admirable. the main thing, like, as a parent now, I think about how growing up, I always really wanted to keep your respect. Like, mm-hmm. I never wanted to do anything that would disappoint you or mom or make you not right, respect right. me as much anymore because I knew mm-hmm. that I had your respect and it was something that I could lose if I chose to. And I think that that really was a cool relationship to have because I don't think a lot of kids have that yep. type of relationship with their parents. And it's something that mm-hmm. I would like to have with my kids. So, Well, you will. You already do, actually. Well, I mean, when they're like teenagers, you know, it's like I never wanted to do something. That's why I didn't misbehave. I mean, the worst thing I ever did as a teenager was not do my homework. It's like Mm -hmm. I never went out anywhere without telling you. I never did anything illegal or anything. So it was just like, you know. Neither of you did. Yeah, because I just didn't want to. Yeah, neither of you did that. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Another special guest coming up next, Tom Bernard Show. A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. If you're tired of feeling frustrated because your clothes don't fit like they used to, then Nutramost is for you. Thanks to the Sheehy brothers and staff at Nutramost in Plymouth, I am down 92.5 pounds. The Nutramost program is amazing. I lost over 40 pounds during each of my first two 40-day rounds. You can have great success just like me because Nutramost is customized for each individual person, and the staff at Nutramost will be there for you every step of the way. Start your weight loss journey today and let Nutramost help change your life. Give yourself this wonderful gift or give this program as a present. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life, and they can help you too. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Doug, do you want to do another live spot? No, I think, Andy's, I think to... Andy's just going to dump in the pre-recorded one. Well, if you want to do another live one, we could do one right now. Oh, all right, that's fine. Okay. As soon as the music fades, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com, Doug Sprinthal. We are 45 minutes away from our second Walzer Automotive Group podcast, Car Selling Secrets. Got a great woman coming into the studio uh, Katie's worked for us for, boy, I think about six or seven years. I've actually bought a couple of cars from her. Uh, she's one of our top performers over at Chrysler Store in Hopkins. She's got a lot of stuff to share about her journey. And we're going to talk about some other stuff. I got some emails uh, earlier in the week about extended warranties. We'll talk about those. We welcome call-in. If you would like to call in, 952-800-1492, or you can always email me at Doug at what a man, the Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, just tell me when Karen's ready, if you would. She is, is ready. I think her name is, oh, Karen's ready? Karen, mm-hmm. how are you? Hi, hi, I'm good. Marvelous. Now, I've, I've heard your name pronounced, the last name pronounced three different ways. I've heard Strahan. Oh, yeah. I've, 
No, yep. no, no, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> strawn? Um, Is it just strawn? Try, try again. Strawn, strawn, strawn. Yeah. So, so it is strong. What it is. Ding, ding, ding. Like Vaughn. Yes. Well, there's Vaughn and there's strong. That makes sense. There you Indeed. go. Indeed. I love this, Karen. <laughs> For women who can't get dates, <laughs> Valentine's Day pivots to hating men. That's really nice, Karen. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I, I didn't think this yeah. was what I was going to be doing on Valentine's Day, uh, talking about Galentine's Day, so... Yeah, I wanna, um, so where but, did Galentine's uh, yeah, Day start? Where did it start? Uh, Leslie Nope. Leslie Nope, the character, the perky, obsessive, compulsive, uh, perfectionist uh, parks worker at uh, on the show Parks and Recreation. She oh, yeah, started right. Galentine's Day, kind of the way George Costanza's father on Seinfeld started Festivus. And uh, mm-hmm. the holiday for the rest of us, which is much more my speed. I really like the airing of grievances part of that holiday. Um, but I, I don't have a whole lot of girlfriends <laughs> myself. So, so you know, I have a few few female friends. Most of them are on other ends of the country, which is mostly the reason why we can stay friends. Um, and because uh, we, we're not together all the time. But... Um, I'm not your typical woman, and uh, but you know it started off innocently enough. It started off as a, a gathering, a brunch, or something like that. You drink some mimosas, you eat some frittatas or waffles or whatever, and you celebrate female friendship. That was really what it was about, and it wasn't even about not being able to get dates because it was for February 13th. And Leslie Nope, I guess she just thought, well, this is another kind of relationship that we should celebrate. And I think that that's, that's just absolutely great. Buy a gift, you know, have a nice brunch or whatever, um, perfectly fine, right? But then, uh, then a couple, yeah. couple of years ago, feminists started yeah. getting their hooks into it. And, and we had a, an issue with, uh, you know, they're suggesting retailers are, now, retailers are now suggesting male tears coffee mugs and the future is female t-shirts as gift ideas for Galentine's Day. And, and I'm just like, you know, can we have something for women that, that feminism does not co-opt, that it does not stick out a pseudopod and absorb into its amorphous blob of grievance, um, you know, and, and, and man bashing? I love you, Karen. I love you, Karen. Well, you know, I, I just... Well, thank you very much. Uh, everybody does, except for the feminists. So, there you go. <laughs> well, but here's what I don't understand. Why don't feminists respect the opinions of all women, not just the ones who agree with them? Oh, you mean like understand. if they were picking a... You know, as much as they, as much as they complain about how it, you know, middle-aged uh, white men decide what women can and can't do with their bodies, they... They would yeah, certainly right. scream and run the other way if we suggested a panel uh, comprised of Michelle Bachman, Ann Coulter, and, and Sarah Palin to decide on the issue of abortion. Um, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. No, they, you, you have to, you, you know, because men aren't allowed to speak about it, but some women are actually just honorary men. So, um, yeah. yeah as, well, as far as uh, voting, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no and they, did, they didn't like that. Margaret Thatcher either didn't like Margaret no, Thatcher at all not. either. She didn't like them, though, either. So, But, um, so yeah, no, I think essentially... Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you're up. Um, I, 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 think, I think that they really just... They, you have to have all the right opinions. And, you know, slowly but surely, straight... Uh, cis, straight white women are, are being squeezed out of the intersectional stack, the intersectional progressive stack... Uh, soon to be replaced by biracial trans lesbians with anxiety disorders because they are persecuted on multiple axes of oppression, right? And and therefore they have a, a, gr- a deeper claim to knowledge, you know, of how things work. So, yeah. Yeah, I've never understood that, that you have a deeper knowledge of how things actually... You know what What happens with me, Karen, is over the years, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in flux because... I grew up in a, in a very democratic family, not not a far left family, but a Democrat, definitely strong Democrat family. And then later you mean on, back, after, back when they you know, were sane. 
Yeah, they were absolutely back, saying back that they were all about the yeah, yeah, all about the working people and all that whole deal, and that, that was the whole deal. And then I, I, you know, once I got into business and I realized you can, you have to protect yourself here and there. Then I tried being a Republican for a while, but I didn't, you know, I didn't care for that either. So I tended to settle down into the centrist. Um, mode, but you know Doug Sprinthal, who's on the show, another friend of mine, Michael Bryant, a prominent attorney. They're Democrats, and I listen to that. What I do with my opinions, if I if I question my own judgment or opinion on something, I listen to people that I admire, and learn from them. Why don't Why don't other people do that? What's the problem? Uh, well, I think I think most people. Um, there actually was a, a really interesting study that came out uh, a few years ago, and. It's a, It's got a catchy title. It's called "When in Doubt, Shout," um, and it's it's basically if you have a deeply held belief and somebody imparts on you some piece of knowledge that makes you doubt your belief, most mm-hmm. people will not only harden their beliefs, so they will become more firm in their original right. belief, but they will right. they will have a greater urge to proselytize it. So you essentially have the opposite effect when you try and convince people away from these deeply held values, right? Uh, They kind of just have to learn on their own, I think, or they have to go through a full deprogramming thing, you know, like you got to, you got to, you know, drive up in a van to their house, kidnap them and, and uh, tie them to a chair and and deprogram them like they do with cultists. So, because otherwise it's just just not going to work. Debate doesn't work. That's too bad. Alex and, and Cassie, what do you think about this? Whole, do, you, do you find the same situation where some, and, and men are in the, uh, they're in a different area, but just as strident and, and, and ardent in their position. Uh, do you find women that are impossible to deal with because they just will not listen to anything other than what they learned in college? Yes, I have a, I have a few friends that are that way. And I just, I, I I just have to shut them down. I'm just like, I don't agree with you. And it's okay I don't agree with you, but they just won't have right. it. They And then, you know, they've, like, defriended people because they don't think the way they do. And they're very, oh, God. you know, I got I got an argument because I don't, I, I'm not the pseudo, or not pseudo, but the, um, I can't think of the word, but, like, the feminist that everybody thinks you're supposed to be. I'm like, I don't, I don't relate to your cause i <laughs> you know i just don't mm. right. i don't ide- yeah, i don't fine. identify myself because i'm you know like what i do for a career or anything like that because i'm a woman yes i happen to be a woman but i don't let it define who i am and they do and i just i don't get that mentality at all no i don't either well, I mean, uh, Karen, my uh, our son Andy's on the show, and our daughter Alex is on the show today, and they'll tell you that I, I've oh, never okay. gotten in an argument. I've never gotten in an argument with anyone or had harsh words with anyone, right, kids? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm Not sure you never. Heaven forfend <laughs> that that should ever happen. Yeah. Um, so what do you think, I'm, Alex? I'm guessing. What What was she gonna say? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm just guessing that that you have have you're like Gandhi. You you've never yes. had yes. any kind of altercation with with anyone. It's it's That's you know exactly I can tell me. from I'm your demeanor on this show. Yeah, Bill Gandhi. They call me Tom. Yeah, Bill Gandhi, very famous guy. It's <laughs> not related, but often confused. Argues a lot. <laughs> yeah, probably true. So, Alex, what do you think? Well, like you said earlier, I'm not the type to get into arguments with people. Like, I just... No. I fully realize that there are people that are will, you know, scream in your face about something that makes no sense until they die. And I just have no interest in doing that. So, I'm always like, okay, sounds good. And then I walk away. Well, it's I the conflict don't. they thrive yeah. on, not the yeah. what is being said. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to think what you think. I mean, I'm going to think what I think. You're going to think what you think. And Nothing we're not going to change each yeah. other's minds, especially shouting at each other. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be productive in any way. So why? It's like on I the news when they have people on and then they just start yelling at each other. It's like, yeah. what are you even trying to accomplish aside from writing? Yeah. And what about that, Karen? Do, do people start well, screaming at you when you talk to other people on on the radio or television or newspapers? Do they do they get mad at you? Very. Very, very rarely. Um, you know, I, I did have, and you can search it on YouTube, I did have a, a very fun interview with Cenk Uger of the Young Turks um, uh, at a few years ago, where, wherein he started screaming, yada, 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 uh, stop voting and go make me a ham sandwich at me. 
Um, but yeah, no, he he seriously did. It's it's well, it's quite the nice. moment. I was just laughing. He's not a great guy. I was just I was just I had my I had my hand over my microphone so people wouldn't be able to hear me laughing while he was just losing his mind. But um, because I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't thank the suffragettes for getting me the vote because the expansion of the franchise was much more complicated than the suffragettes, right? There were a lot of men who died uh, getting us that. And uh, so I I didn't feel any need to to thank these ladies who uh, were mostly uh, well-heeled, upper-middle-class women who were going for uh, the same kind of suffrage that uh, existed for men, which was uh, with all kinds of property uh, requirements attached. And so it was for basically rich women and, and white women. And uh, <clears throat> but not all women, and certainly not all men. So essentially, I was just like, okay, well, you know, that that's fun. Um, but I I don't uh, I don't like to get in people's faces or anything like that. I call myself an activist. I mostly just spread awareness, and I do it. Uh, I try to do it with humor and uh, with some humility. And uh, I don't tend to yell at people, and people don't tend to yell at me. Um, I will say, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the things you learned in college and stuff, the guy that I've been with for the last, for the last nine years, when he was in college, he was living in a co-op with a bunch of, um, you know, hippie, uh, hippie women with, um, you know, the, uh, the, the multiple facial piercings and the aposemitic uh, hair colors, right? Um, you know, mm, the, like sure. the, the yep. red yep. frog that you don't want to eat, right? And, and the, the striped bu- uh, <laughs> bugs that you don't want to go near, <clears throat> right? So, um, and uh, he, he had stumbled across uh, some uh, work uh, by Warren Farrell, who is considered the father of the men's rights movement. And uh, so he started to try and bring that up with one of these girls in his house. He, he was sort of like, is, are men really in charge like really like collectively you know do we really collectively oppress women um i'm i'm just not seeing it <clears throat> and this this woman within two minutes she was screaming at him that if he couldn't accept the existence of the patriarchy not only could they not continue the conversation but she would never speak to him again <laughs> okay all right so we're just going to wrap the whole thing up and i'm never talking to you again because we can't agree on one thing yeah, well, that, it's I mean, their foundational belief. Yeah, it is. Uh, to feminists, to feminists, it, it's it says it's as important to them as the existence of or the the concept that Christ was the Son of God and died for our sins is to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, only even Christians are more relaxed around un- non-believers than feminists are around uh, those that don't accept patriarchy. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I understand that. Uh, not much of a patriarchy right now since, uh, you know, and I, look, I, I have a son, I have a daughter, I have a wife that I absolutely adore. I try to treat men and women. Well, to tell you the truth, Karen, I grew up, my mother raised me with my two older sisters. So I, I, I am just kind of wired to respond to women's commands more than men's. If men tell me what to do, I tend to fight back. And if women tell me what to do, I just go, okay. Cause I think my brain's wired that way. Cause my mother raised me. You know, does that make sense? You know, I'm I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Um, okay. That's everybody. That's that's every man, whether he was <laughs> raised by both true. his parents or whether he was raised by just his mother. He is in certain things in certain contexts. Men. Mm-hmm. They did a study again a few years ago uh, where they found that when it came to you know they ran people through a bunch of experiments to see what what their positive affiliate uh, feelings of affiliation were towards men and women and, and uh, when they would side with women and when they would side with men. And four out of four times women sided with women and three out of four times men sided with men. And they called the study, why do, we, why do women like women more than men like men? But they should have called it, why does everyone like women more than anyone likes men? Well, there so you go. I think well, this more is, than anyone likes men. I think, I, think we're all, I think we're all wired that way to a degree. It makes evolutionary sense, you know, you spend the last two million years, men, their role is to bash other men over the head to protect women. So what are you going to do? Karen, you're a great guest. Have a magnificent Galentine or Valentine or for women who can't get dates, Valentine's. But you have a significant other, so you're not in that uh, boat. So, Karen, thank you so much for your time. Great talking to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We'll be back. 
Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Tom Bernard here. Hey, let me ask you, do you know me because you recognize my voice or my face? Good question, isn't it? Let me ask you another one. What do you think when I say priority courier experts? Do you know them because you recognize their trucks or do you know them by their name? Well, let me tell you something you might not know about my friends at Priority. 485 local drivers, 85 office staff, 37 million deliveries since 1997, and an opportunity for you to join their company. Drivers, you can join the fleet in your own vehicle or lease to own one of theirs. Or you can join the office staff and earn the most respectable pay in the business with 15 days off in your first year. Medical, dental, matching 401k, and a genuine chance for advancement. Just ask Ryan, who started as a driver and is now dispatch manager. Over 5,000 Minnesota companies rely on priority. Because every time you call us, we deliver. Join the team today at Priority.com. That's Priority.com. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. What do you think of that? It's your thing. Do what you want to do. Did you guys realize that men and women respond to women better than anyone responds to men? Yeah, Did it's you know called that? the women are wonderful effect. I mean, it's not shocking. Women are wonderful. <laughs> yes. Well, it works for me. Not surprised. Yeah, seriously. I, but I, I see, I always assumed it's because I was raised by a woman. But it's not necessarily true. That nope. men. Do you find that to be true, Doug, that you tend to butt heads with men more, a lot more than women? Uh, I'd have to think about that. You're a pretty Pro- laid-back guy, though. You don't, yeah. You think, you think probably? Yeah, but you, you got to realize I know more men than women. I mean, yeah. is what, yeah, I do for, what I do for a living, it's right. you know, 70, 80% dudes. Yeah. Do you say dudes? Yeah. Just to piss you off. You've never called anybody a dude. I know you. I've never never said that. I've never used it. I have a friend that had a boyfriend that used to call her dude, and I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little. (laughs) Get rid of this. That's a little over the top. Get rid of him. Oh, God. Get rid of him. Hey, dude. Dude. Yep. Dude my ass. Called her dude all the time. He was like a total, like, Covered in tattoos and like lifted weights, all crazy. And he was from Jersey. Oh, one of those guys. Oh, yeah. Mr. Means cool he guy. Had shrunk, had the shrunken up wiener going. Is that what okay. you're talking about? Anyway, well, that's a steroid. Why, would you, ask, yes, Why would you ask your I'll daughter? Say, I don't that know. Question. I never. <laughs> I'm not thought. asking my daughter that. I was talking about the weightlifting part of it. Once you all settle down, for God's sake, you're a disaster. Is it us that's the disaster? <laughs> or could it be someone else? I did something did interesting last night, not to just totally shift uh, subjects, but we haven't finished it, but we're rewatching All the President's Men. I've never seen it. It's it's amazingly good, and it really illustrates how different the press was held back then than it is now. For one thing, Dustin oh, Hoffman yeah. and, oh, yeah. and uh, Robert Redford are great in it. They're really subdued. Dustin Hoffman, is he hasn't turned yep. into Dustin Hoffman yet. Um but the press was held in such high regards, and these guys are, like, trying to get people. They're trying to figure out how the whole break-in chain of events and the power of command and all sure, that sort of stuff. Sure. And all they have is handwritten notes. And when they get somebody on the phone to say something that, yes, uh, HH is H.R. Haldeman, they get, I mean, that's a valid news source now, and they can, and, right. and nobody ever disputes it. In this day and age, you know, a person would say, well, I never said that. Prove it. Mm-hmm. But back then, right. The other interesting thing about 1976, there were apparently no fat people in the United States, and I'm not just talking what? about Robert Redford <laughs> and Dustin Hoffman, but eat all the crowd scenes. Everybody is skinny. It's the weirdest thing. And of course, they all smoke inside. Maybe that's the reason. <laughs> they yeah. all got Ooh, some maybe it is. horrible disease. Appetite suppressant. But it's Possibly. an interesting film. It's an interesting look on what was going on. Not beautifully shot. It's kind of got that Robert Altman feel where there's scenes where everybody talks at oh, the same yeah. time. Yep. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's, 
politically interesting. I th it was pretty cool. We'll finish it up tonight. We fell asleep last night. Well, there you go. So it's all mm -hmm. the president's men. Yeah. And then which one's dead? Is it Bernstein or the other guy? I think Bob Woodward. Woodward's still alive. Yeah, Woodward was, just wrote a book. That's yeah. right. On Trump. Yep. That's right. He was kind of the yuppie so, guy, and Bernstein was the, you know, the hard-nosed reporter. Right, exactly. I, um... I just find the whole thing rather interesting. I, you know, I, as I said, I haven't, I didn't watch television for five, six days while I was gone, so I got back and just tried to catch up on things. And it only took me about 15 minutes to realize that I hate these people. And uh, I, I just, I don't understand why you want to come on CNN or Fox or MSNBC or any of these places, why you want to come on there and talk horribly about your, uh, you know, about your constituent. Well, not your constituent, excuse me, but your... your the people you serve with in Congress or the, you know, in, in the House or the Senate or the president or whatever. I just am uncomfortable because I've, I've never liked any president. I'll be honest with you about that. I've never seen the reason to have a president, but that was just me. I think rule, rule by committee would be a much better way to do it. But uh, I, I just am really uncomfortable with the horrible things these people say. And Trump does it to them, and they do it to Trump. And it's, it's really uncomfortable for me. Is that normal, you think? What, to be uncomfortable or that the politicians yeah, are killing really each other? I'm just really uncomfortable with all of it. It's well, like, God. Well, we grew up in a time when that wasn't as prevalent in the, no, in the federal government. True. But if you read history, I mean, back in the 19th century... There were fist fights in the Senate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these guys were crazy. And don't forget that the play that everybody is dying to see is about the guy who started the Fed being uh, murdered by the Vice President of the United States. So to say these guys are a little rough on each other, it's nothing like that. That's true. Uh, Humans have always have been. A duel and we'll go out and we'll hopefully one of us will shoot the other one. People okay, have always good. been more than happy to murder one another if it means getting power. Yeah, that whole so that's what it thing is, is weird. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. We're going to go out and duel, are you? Okay, whatever it takes. Uh, yeah, I'm good. No, you're right. So we did get civil for a while there. I thought, you know, obviously we weren't alive for many, many, many years after that. But why didn't it all come together after World War One? Was it because of what France did to Germany that they had to crush them under their heel? See, I thought as a, as a race, looking back at that, you know, the human race, I thought we would look back and, and then go, we learned nothing. I mean, the French are the ones who basically started World War II. Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of stood aside, too. So it's interesting because yeah, I get did. in we arguments did. with people about, uh, why are we giving foreign aid out when we're not taking care of our own people? And the real answer is, right. you know, in the perfect world, we can do both. But yeah. to answer the question contrast the Treaty of Versailles with the Marshall Plan. So Treaty of Versailles, Germany's going to pay for World War I. We're going to crush the economy, which happened. And it was mostly the French. They, you know, they had the most to lose. Um, and then at the end of World War II, the Americans said, well, you know what, rather than do that, maybe let's rebuild Europe. It's going to cost us a fair amount of money, but if we do this right, we're not going to have to go back to war there in another 20 years. And it's been 70 years of peace in Europe for the most part, so... Right. Yeah, I, I just... Uh, we never learn anything. That's the problem I have. What we should have done after the end of World War One is told the French and maybe told ourselves, back off, okay? The war's over now. We try to rebuild. Uh, but instead, it's not, nope, we're going we're gonna to drive you into such severe poverty to punish you. Mm -hmm. it, was that, you think, do you think that was a Christian thing? Is that why people look back and go, oh, these Christians, we hate Christians? Yeah. I, I, you think that was a Christian thing? I, I just watched uh, May They Never Grow Old, which is a documentary. Right. It's phenomenal. It is. And it's really hard to watch because you realize how sure. I, all wars are crappy, right? But World War I was especially brutal. And it's mostly yeah. 15 and 16-year-old kids in trenches for four years trying to kill each other. And, you know, the loss of life that the, that the French suffered and, you know, it was a, a million British and U.K. citizens died in that war, too. Mm -hmm. uh, how can they not be pissed? It's, it's, yeah, it isn't a Christian thing, maybe, but, I, I, but then again, when you take that kind of a beating for something, and I know yes, a fair amount about right. history, and I've talked to people that are much smarter than I am. I still don't understand how World War I started. 
I mean, I know it was Archduke-Ferdinand, but it's not like World War II where Hitler said, oh, we're going to just blow everybody mm-hmm. up. Okay, that's, we're, gonna, <laughs> exactly. we're not going to do that. But why, why even was there a great war? I don't know. I, I, I really, you know, we're mustard gas. And all, it was a horrible war. Yeah. I mean, well, you just saw it. And those are actually people getting killed in that documentary. Aren't mm-hmm. they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the actual people themselves being killed. It's not actors. So when you see it, they, this guy took World War One footage and cleaned it up, colorized it, and then they took the oral history that was recorded probably in the 40s, 50s, and 60s of the World War One soldiers that survived, and they used, they tell the story in their voices what it was like. But the interesting thing right. is you think it's going to be this really kind of cool thing. The first 20 minutes of the movie are basically follow people going up to the front and it's all scaled down really kind of grainy black and white footage and like this is cleaned up this looks crappy and then all of a sudden they get to the the front and it goes full color and full screen you're like oh that's something yeah i gotta see it i i everybody i know has seen is just raving about says it's really really interesting but it's very painful to watch and everybody's told me that yeah, the stories they tell about, you know, waking up and rats are gnawing at your face in the trenches. And then they show people, go through that? People that <laughs> lost limbs because of uh, trench, trench foot, foot yeah. stuff. Yeah, Dan's, like, oh. Dan went and saw it on Sunday when I was gone. Well, how, what do you think, Alec? He said it was very, very interesting. He's like, just the conditions that they were in was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, pretty rough. That was his big outing while we were gone. That would have made I a great Valentine's Day flick. Yeah. Let's go see people massacred. What do you say, honey? No, that That'll was his, break your heart. That was his big outing while we were gone. He was like, what am I going to do? Of, yeah, exactly. Speaking of kind of a heartbreak here, James Dayton died at 53. Oof. You guys know who James Dayton is? I do not, but dying at 53 is sad. James Dayton, principal of the Minneapolis architecture firm James Dayton Design, passed away unexpectedly on Tuesday. He was only 53 years old. Dayton was among the Twin Cities' most sought-after architects and received the American Institute of Architects Young Architect Award in 2006. His firm's best-known local projects include the McPhail Center for Music in Minneapolis Mill District and the Minnetonka Center for the Arts, and a bullion, and some people say ebullient, so I'll do it both ways, but it's a bullion. Mm. Uh, modern addition to the historic Westminster Presbyterian Church on Nicollet Mall, the cause of death. That, by the way, was the Dayton family's, or probably still is the Dayton family's church. The Westminster Presbyterian, all the Dayton family go. Uh, and, of course, uh, you know, uh, George Draper Dayton, the great-great-grandfather of James Dayton. I only uh, talked to James Dayton briefly a couple of times, but he was a damn nice guy. And I'm very, very sorry to see that he doesn't say what killed him. They don't know the cause of death. <clears throat> Uh, they just listed, of course, as the cause of death is not immediately known. But, uh, yeah, uh, he started designing things. You know how this is what this is the cool part I want to get to. James Dayton's design career began with window displays he created for his family's department store when he was in high school. That's pretty damn cool, don't you think? Yeah. Mm. That is just, just is. So that that just kind of made me sad to, to see that. Uh, you know, I didn't know him at all, and I, I talked to him a couple of times. Very, very nice guy. He was not a friend or anything. I, I didn't really even know him at all. But sorry to see, at 53, man, these days, because yeah. people are living to 90 with regularity now, 90, 95, 100 years old, to die at 53 is way too young these days. You, you know my friend Jay Marie uh, Fieger, don't you? Yep, absolutely. Her, her uh, brother died this fall at 53. Mm. Heart Good attack. God. Heart attack yep. at 53. Jeez. That's really sad. It's really, really terrible stuff. But, uh, I, you know, I, I wanted to bring that up because, like I said, I didn't know him and he wasn't, you know, we didn't hang out or anything like that. But he just he was very pleasant when I talked to him. A couple, just a couple of brief times. And then I love the Fox 9 anchor Jeff Passold story in the Star Tribune <laughs> and people going after him. How in the did you let section. him off? I was listening this morning. <laughs> I mean, nobody pointed out, well, Jeff, what is a year ago, he was going to interview Dayton and he wiped out on the ice and it really messed up. his like broke his hip and his yeah. Oh, wow. He was messed up and now he's suing the State Department. But nobody pointed out the irony of the fact that Jeff, Mr. Superstar hockey player, fell down on the ice. Yeah, I know. Mm. Well, he didn't have his skates on. <laughs> Sounds like an onion headline. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> Again, Jeff Passold, famous hockey star. Well, the only thing he's famous for in hockey is being in a penalty box, though. So let's be honest. I about thought he that. was a goalie, wasn't he? 
No. That's oh, JB. He was a defenseman, oh, actually. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah, you, can, was a goalie. you can point that out to him next time you see him. I will do that. Speaking of JB, by the way, somebody told me he left the athletic department at the U. He's still working at the yep. U, but he's not in the athletic department yeah, he anymore. he posted oh, on you, Facebook. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. He yep. actually told me, like, he told the, it was, but we were both here, right? Yeah, it was Yeah, last he told Friday. us before he uh, even announced it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So what's he doing now? He is doing, I think. He's like grounds and maintenance or something. Yeah, like janitorial He's work. hanging in there for the bennies is what. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, up until he's ready to retire. Yeah. Well, but he wanted to leave the, the yes. athletic department, didn't he? Yes. Because he, you know. Whatever there's the a lot of, uh, you know. People don't get along, which big no. surprise there. At the U? Yeah. That's shocking that people don't get along at the University of Minnesota. How did it ever happen? <laughs> but, yeah, all the best to JB. And JB is still becoming – is he still going to come in on Fridays, or can he not do that now that he's I, in a different He's department? not sure, but I think he's going to. Yeah, I think he I mentioned – when he was at the athletic department, he didn't even have to get off his ass, so why did he ever leave? <laughs> I think he's just going to put on some tunes and, and do his work and just mind his own business until he's ready to retire. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Hell of a nice man, I will tell you. People who've never met JB, he's a really, really good guy. Very, oh, God, he's not listening, is he? I don't know. He is very. Can't he's a very listening. sweet guy. Yes. He, he is. is. He's a very, very sweet guy. Uh, we're going to take a break here. Come back in about 10 minutes for segment three. And, Dougie, what do we got coming today in segment three? Well, my guest star is here. Katie just, uh, I said, come on in and sneak into the podcast, stick some headphones on and listen. So she works at our Chrysler store. How long have you been there, Katie? At that store, about six and a half years. I was going to guess seven, so I was close. So she's going to talk about the wonderful world of Chrysler. We want people to call in with questions, 952-800-1492. We'll be talking extended warranties. We're going to talk, Katie's got a little secret. She's threatening to let out of the bag uh, in about 15 minutes. So stay tuned. How's that for a tease? What's that? You're a pain in the ass? Is that's, that, I, that's not your I secret, I said secret. Yeah, everyone no, knows you're right. a pain in the ass. Everybody, everybody knows that. All right, we'll be back in about 10 minutes with Hour 3. Tom Bernard Show.